Do you think that our privacy is dead? Should we log in into outside services using Facebook or Google? Should we use voice assistants at home? Should we put tape on our laptop's camera? Should we turn off the mic on a phone cause Facebook and Instagram are always listening? Thank you so much for coming and uh, for everyone here uh, that we're we're joined by Professor at McMaster University and uh, Tony Porter, is that correct? And mm -hmm. uh, we'll discuss we'll discuss a lot of a lot of things about data or data. Which one is right? Either one. Either yeah. one. Okay, I will go. I will probably then use them interchangeably. Sure. Um, and we'll talk about a lot about data and cybersecurity and laws around that as well. So, kind of the first question: Do you have social media platforms? Myself. Yes. Um, I'm on Facebook, and uh -huh. that's about it. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. That's weird that we. It's interesting that you name Facebook out of all of them. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, that's cool. And then, just I will just ask it right away. Do you think that our privacy is dead? Well, there's still some zones of privacy, and it's pretty important to try to um, keep those. It's an ongoing contestation between the desire of the social media platforms to have as much access as possible to data and our concern about that. Mm -hmm. So the law is continually changing. And when consumers get angry about their loss of privacy, then it's possible to push back. So it's not like the game's entirely over, um, thankfully. Okay. And in fact, there's been some important recent developments. Uh, to which end are we closer? To being dead or the patient's the patient is dead or more dead or more alive right now? Um, I would say the patient is on the operating table. Okay. And there's, there's some serious interventions going on. Can you name, please, a, a couple of examples of recent examples where why we got on the operating table? Sure. Um, well, I think it's been developing over a number of years and people have been especially alerted to the risks in the last mm -hmm. few years. The social media companies like Facebook, Google, um, and then the platforms like Amazon and Netflix as well have been accumulating large volumes about of data about um, individuals. And it's gradually being integrated more and more. Um, and, and then in some countries, there's additional sources of information which have been <clears throat> integrated together to provide even a more comprehensive picture of each individual. For many years, that was operating behind the scenes, and most people weren't really aware of it. But the 2016 pre U.S. presidential election mm -hmm. really brought it to people's consciousness because of the use of that data to potentially uh, throw the election to Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. um, and since then, there's been other uses of social media data in elections. Mm -hmm. For example, which one? Uh, well, the Philippines uh, is one well-known case where Facebook was heavily involved with uh, Duterte's election. He's an authoritarian right. leader who manipulated the Facebook uh, fake news issue in a way that... Close to Siemens America. What happened yeah, I mean, the difference is that in the Philippines, there's also death squads that are active, and so the consequences are more deadly than okay. in the United States. Okay. Um, and then in the most recent Brazilian election with Bolsonaro, 
Uh, there was a heavy use by him as well of uh, Facebook and, and other social media to um, manipulate the news and in ways that helped him get elected. So if I can summarize, so the main reason why we're on our operating table right now with our privacy is because we realize that you can use social media platforms to interfere into elections. Is that fair? Well, that's one of the things that's made it most prominent. Um, I mean, I think there's lots of other concerns about the privacy issue. Mm -hmm. For example, can you give like another two, one or two? Well, one is uh, just what does it mean for this information to be available to employers? So increasingly employers use the data that is accumulated um, for making employment decisions and people are anxious about their past social media history in that regard. Um, there's been concerns about this data getting integrated with credit scoring. So mm. um, if you, this is particularly a problem in the United States where a lot of people have been exposed to bankruptcy because of health uh, costs. Oh, okay. And then what does it mean if you're applying for a job and your employer finds that you're behind on your loan payments and doesn't give you the job as a result? And because why would... Why would the employer do that? Because they'd have access to your credit scores, which are another f source of uh, big data that's been accumulated and integrated by data brokers. Mm. And um, and then, you know, your credit score could be brought into an employment okay. decision. Okay. Okay. I see. And then... The, I, I, would I would like to give you like two examples of so when I was researching of something that actually blew me away in terms of how we use, how companies use data. Uh, and if you can, if you have any other cool examples, I would mm. really appreciate if you share. So for example, one that actually blew me away is Uber and that they know when your battery life is lower than 10%. And because they know that they will charge you higher prices mm -hmm. based on that. Mm -hmm. They know that you're in a rush to order right now to get in a car as fast as possible. So you're like, hey, here we go, higher price. Mm. Um, do you know any other cool examples of like where companies can uh, like use data that they're accumulating in real life to, um, to make more profits, basically? Well, I mean, in general, ads are... Uh, of course, targeted, but also prices are adjusted um, based on the company's the platform's assessment of your um, income and and other mm. factors. Um, so there's concern about you know the fairness of that um, and whether there's even you know a market in that type of situation because the idea of a market is there's supposed to be competition mm. between people offering you things, but if the companies that are offering them um, have such a sophisticated knowledge of what you're willing to pay or whether you're a priority customer or not. Mm. I mean, that's another issue, whether you get bumped to the top of the line when you call in to lodge a complaint or something. And they, they can know that? Yes. For, I mean, for what? Well, they have a record of all your you know transactions with the company. And oh. so they, they have algorithms that can immediately um, alert the person on the at the call center, whether you uh, are a favored customer or not, and then, or the software can di immediately direct you more quickly to um, the customer uh, service center to get a quick response or not. Canada Post, why do you hate me so much? <laughs> Let's try to establish capabilities of big data. Is it possible to look only at my history, like? 
online, is it possible to make a portrait of Vlad without knowing me whatsoever? Is it possible right now? For anyone to do that? Just no, not no, for let's say companies or like for, no, I'm not talking if I can do a portrait of you rather right. than if it's a, a government can use, um, a government can do that or a corporation. Uh, well, it depends on, yeah, for sure. It depends on the actor. Like, so governments, especially the U.S. government has tremendous access to knowledge about everybody. Mm -hmm. And we don't know exactly how much knowledge they have. When uh, Snowden revealed the uh, national security agencies um, working with the platforms to accumulate information, it was pretty frightening because there hadn't been so much awareness that the U.S. Uh, intelligence agencies were accumulating data from the social media platforms. So if you consider the access they have to phone data and everything else, they probably could have a pretty complete picture of you. Um, I think when people start getting worried about this, there's also you know, a limit on the amount of time they can devote to individuals. So mm -hmm. uh, it's unlikely they would do that unless they had some algorithm that was telling them that they should. But that's worrying too, because you, people often get flagged for strange purposes that are not accurate. For, for What do you mean by that? Well, that's become an issue on airline uh, access to airlines. So people have been put on the no-fly list because their names happen to match up with somebody else's names. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's been cases of you know infants not allowed on because mm -hmm. they've been on the suspect list and Fun. had to get off of it. I mean, infants are pretty scary. Um, but can you can you actually clarify something? You just said it. Like, so you said U.S. government can create. Uh, somewhat digital version of me mm -hmm. if they really want. Mm -hmm. How does it work? I've never, I don't think I ever used once, I used internet once in US. So for example, all the data that accumulated in Canada, they can access, like who owns, that's like a big question, like who owns the data that, like my data? Is it Canadian government, Canadian Facebook, US government, US Facebook? Like, I certainly do not own it. It's not even a question, but uh, who does? Well, that's been a big issue. And, you know, some people would argue that you should have more ownership over your own data and, and are campaigning for that. But at the moment, most of us give up our data freely when we click the terms of service agreements on the websites we visit and so on. Um, so uh, that's a really important issue. Uh, I mean, a lot of the social media that we use and even some of the sort of corporate services that we use that aren't social media are stored on the cloud. And so where's the cloud? I mean, the cloud are, is basically a bunch of servers that are spread around the world. And uh, often they're not in Canada. Um, it's actually been a really big issue because some people want to keep their data outside of the United States because the U.S. Patriot Act gives the U.S. authorities a lot of access to, to data on the cloud. Um, so some people specify that they want to keep their data in Canada when they're dealing with a corporate you know, service provider. Mm. Uh, but the uh, major media companies move data around pretty freely. Across um, the world. Yeah. I mean, in Europe, there's really strong data protection laws. 
And so they have signed various agreements with the U.S. social media companies that um, allow them to move some of that data out of Europe on condition that they respect the European rules about data mm. privacy. Mm -hmm. And when that breaks down, as it did a year or so ago, it creates real problems because then suddenly the social media companies can't move the data out of Europe. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to them to be able to aggregate it all and, you know, do an analysis without worrying about the borders. Yeah. But for Canada, um, there's like, for instance, at McMaster, should the data that we collect be made available on a server that's in the United States, there's a lot of things we wouldn't want to do that with, like student records that might have sensitive information. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, then, oh, sorry, uh, but then let's say um, with everything that you talk, especially the distinction between Europe and North America is like, as you just acknowledged, there's a difference, a significant difference. Mm -hmm. So let's say for, for me personally, I, I use Facebook and so all social media and there's a very good digital profile between me and Canada because friends, but I moved to, let's say I go to Europe for a month. Will my ads be as targeted in Europe, in England, let's say, as they're in North America, or because I'm right now in England, now it's a blank. If I've never been there, they don't have my data, so they're still learning about it. Or everything that the world, the cloud, knows about me in Canada, they will know in England as well. Um, they should know most of what they know in, Can in Canada, also in England. Um, even when you access Google or Gmail here, the server, is likely to be in the United States. So the data is already available mm. worldwide, um, but there are differences. So for instance, I just was in the United States and I accessed Netflix and they immediately knew that I was in the United States and they provided the US Netflix, but they still had all the data about what shows I had watched in Canada. So there's a kind of complicated, you know, calculation that they do that ta hopefully takes into account the rules about data privacy and adjusts what you see and what they use based on that. And what if they don't? Let's say if they don't, what's the worst case scenario if they don't take that into consideration? Well, it can become a scandal. I mean, worst case, there's a worst case for the individual and mm -hmm. a worst case for the social media company that let's say for social media i get it like you don't you don't get profits you get a massive scandal people are upset for individual what if if, if they don't care the corporation don't care what's what's in there for me um well those data protection rules are there for you to try to protect your privacy and people will really vary in how much they care about that um in europe there's a big concern that's been enacted into law about past events interfering with people's ability to get beyond them. So if you commit a crime and then it's posted on the internet, should you be able to have the right to have it removed from the internet? There's a lot of controversy about that. What do you think? Should, should, should it be allowed? What's your opinion on that? Um, I think, um, Probably not, mm -hmm. uh, because the argument against it is that it sort of erases the factual record of what happened. So 
Um, it's true that it makes it harder for people to get beyond their pasts if it's all recorded there. Mm-hmm. But if you go to jail, for instance, then lots of people do manage to get beyond that by serving their time and mm-hmm. um, doing good works afterwards. And- Let's talk about bit about the biggest scandal for past. Uh, there's election, but we, we still don't like that's not for sure. We have Cambridge Analytica. Mm-hmm. When Cambridge Analytica happened, were you surprised? Yes, that was uh, surprising the extent of the whole yeah. uh, scandal. I mean, there was uh, particulars of um, the use of that data in the election, and then it all everything it revealed about how. Uh, Facebook was working and so on. So before the Cambridge Analytica scandal happened, you like, because you do that, like you study that mm-hmm. uh, on a, like an academic level, you didn't know that this is what's going on. Like in the, I would say, I want to say community at large didn't know. I think there was an awareness that there was a risk attached to all the use of data and the availability of it. Uh, but I think the extent to which the researchers Got access to everybody's data was not clear before. It was pretty shocking okay. when it became visible, and it didn't even become visible immediately. It was after all the sort of uh, inquiries into it. Yeah, and for everyone who doesn't know, it's a there's a so to to summarize like the researchers got a whole bunch of data, access to a whole bunch of data through academic purposes that was sold in its return to Cambridge Analytica, a digital marketing firm. And they, they were able to use that data to target ads very specifically. Were they, um, uh, were, were they, did they help Trump? Do you know that? No. Well, there's a lot of debate about how um, likely they were to have influenced the, influenced the election or even tipped it over mm-hmm. so that Trump won instead of Clinton. Um, and there were other efforts to manipulate the election, like the Russian mm-hmm. uh, bots that were really active um, and all the disinformation that was spread as a result of Russian you know, efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty hard to assess the total number of people who received disinformation, not just from the Cambridge Analytica targeting, but from everything else, was in the millions. So um, it's likely that the whole effort um, had a significant impact on the election, and it's certainly possible that it tipped the balance. But uh, there's, you know, the counter argument to that is that not everybody believes everything they see, and so if they got strange ads they may have discounted them right really hard to measure right. that type of right. thing and do you think that facebook and uh, cambridge analytica scandal with uh related to facebook do you think it's an isolated incident or it's just a it's a bigger problem and facebook was just that was exposed here i think it's a much bigger problem and it's not just in the 2016 u.s presidential election there's a lot of concern in canada as well and the government has taken certain measures to try to prevent such a thing happening in upcoming Mm -hmm. elections. Mm. And Um, what did they do? Well, there was a a bill passed um, last December, um, Bill 
which tries to tighten up the controls over fake news, so-called yeah, fake how news. How they can control that, though? Um, well, um, they, it's fairly recent, uh, so people are just sort of digesting some of the parts of this. Um, but, for example, they've, it was quite hard to prosecute um, cases where people used fake identities and, and engaged in activity that could be considered fraudulent. So uh, the Commissioner of Canada Elections has a lot more power to um, issue orders compelling witnesses to answer questions about that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, also, um, it makes it now an offense to make a false statement during an election alleging that a political leader or candidate so what does it, but so online specifically? Yeah. Uh, well, no, actually not only online, but uh, if the statements are false about place of birth um, or claiming that a politician has broken a law when that's false, it's now um, illegal to do that. It's kind of the last aspect here. I would like to just quickly touch on the future. Uh, what country does currently lead the data race? What country collects the most data right now? What do you think? Um, well, there's collection of data by businesses and there's collection of government mm -hmm. data by businesses, uh, sorry, by government as well. Um, and I would imagine that by far the largest accumulation of data is in the United States. It's probably no question about that because the major platforms are American and mm -hmm. the U.S. government also has by far the greatest the surveillance capacity of government in the world. Mm -hmm. Do you think that China can uh, can challenge them on that? Uh, well, there's the intensity of surveillance uh, that varies across countries as well as the quantity of data that's being accumulated. Mm -hmm. um, so China has a really am amazing and frightening capacity to collect data that is not yet at its uh, at the place that they want it to be, but the um, the social credit system that they're putting in place is uh, building on the connections that the government is establishing with the Ch Chinese um, counterparts to Facebook and Google, and uh, one of the things that has really been quite surprising is the to people who were looking at the internet say 10 or 20 years ago is how effective the Chinese authorities have been at creating a China-specific internet mm -hmm. and that includes the great firewall that you know separates China from the rest of the world but also the ability to um, use surveillance and connect into the social media because they're not just collecting data online they connected like I read that they have one 170 million cameras mm -hmm. in the country that they collect just not online but even physically uh and this was like a fascinating example of, uh i believe he is an engineer from australia who's working in Beijing or something like that and he jaywalked a street and got a fine 20 seconds later on his phone wow yeah. because of the because of how how fast they can just scan your face and identify the right person and identify your WeChat, which is a platform that they all pay with, send you a bill, and it's like, here you go. Yeah. 
No, it's really frightening. And um, yeah, the mobile payments are really well advanced in China as well. So the records of financial transactions, want to, you know, when you buy, buy anything, um, be integrated along with all the data that the government would collect through its own systems, administrative tax systems, and everything else. Mm-hmm. So one of the goals of this system is to be able to give everybody a score which could integrate their political um, loyalty to the party mm-hmm. and the system uh, with their performance on repaying debt, their employment records, their purchases, and they, there's a lot of controls over where you can live in China, whether you can live in a city, um, and that's beginning to, your credit score is beginning to have an impact on your ability and what job you can get. Uh, so it's a kind of dystopian vision of future that we be, see similar tendencies here, but it's far more advanced um, in can China. You name that because is there any any Western countries that, of course, not doing that to that extent, but somewhat not somewhat but close or tendencies at least? Can you name a few and what they're doing? Uh, well, it's present in all of what we've been talking about that this data can get integrated in a way that can cause problems for individuals. So, um, as I mentioned before, if you're you know deemed to be a preferred customer as a result of the uh, identity that's the digital identity that's being constructed of, of you that follows you around, um, then you're going to get preferential service. So it's beginning to create you know access that's freer for some people and not for others. Same with the uh, no-fly uh, mm-hmm. you know list. You can fly or you can't depending on whether you're on that list. Same with the employment decisions. If I mean a lot of review of um, job applications is done digitally now not by humans and um you know to the degree that the job assessment is integrated with data about your credit history or social media it's not dissimilar to the discrimination that china's beginning to develop it's just at a whole different scale thankfully mm-hmm. in a in a, this this last one i think uh this is great so the last uh, here's the last part. I would like to run a couple of points from you, and uh, it's a question, and then I want you to answer, uh, kind of give an advice. Should we do it or shouldn't we do it? And like, if we should, what's the consequences and why? And uh, we can kind of run with that. And so, should we log in into outside services using Facebook or Google? Well, it just depends on how much you care about your privacy and your data i mean an even bigger question is how much should you be using facebook at all Mm -hmm. um, if you're concerned about the use of data Um, so i think if you're using it then you can you know decide how much you want to um, extend your use to you know different applications that are available Um, yeah okay uh should we use voice assistance at home well, I'm, I, I don't really, you know, I'm not familiar with the details of how uh, the tracking works yep. enough to be able to okay. sort of assess the difference between that and a phone call. Fair. Should we, uh, should we put tape on our laptop's camera? Uh, well, I think it's lots of people, we don't really know exactly what's, you know, available or being used. So, again, it 
partly comes down to how much you care about whether your image does it help people with laptop uh i think nobody knows for sure but i think if you want to be safe it's not a bad idea okay should we use messengers with double encryption code like telegram for example i think it's a good idea if you're concerned about your privacy okay um should we turn off the mic on a phone cause facebook and instagram are always listening I think that's unlikely they're always listening, but I think that, again, um, there's other people like government actors who might. Okay. Hello, Kazakhstan KGB services. Uh Uh, Should we use Chinese technology products like Huawei? That's a really difficult question, and it's been a huge controversy in the other major countries. Um, And... uh, (coughs) The Canadian government is in the process of trying to figure out the answer to that question. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, my own guess is that um, the controversy is partly motivated by commercial competition between the U.S. and China, uh, partly by genuine security concerns about the Chinese government's ability to access the back doors on the digital 5G network that's being constructed. Um, I think probably there's some middle point where the technology can be used for some parts of the 5G network, um, but that other parts, it would be best not to use uh, their technology. Okay. Should we reread Orwell 1984? (laughs) Not a bad idea. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you very much for coming. You're very welcome. Thank you.